good evening, everyone. Thanks for coming, and thanks to Joe for putting on this uh, pretty awesome night. I didn't realise I'd be drinking Copperberg before a presentation, so that was a good move on my part. Um, so I'm Ellie from Social Bee, and this evening we're going to have a bit of a chat about social media and how we basically make it worth our time and our money, because we all know that social media does take a lot of time, but does it actually provide that return on investment? So we'll also be looking at the key metrics and uh, that you or your clients or your directors, whoever you're reporting to, need to know to make sure that it's giving us that positive ROI, um, no matter what your type of business. So we're not just gonna be looking at retail, we're gonna be looking at B2B um, and lead generation as well. So I won't dwell on this too much, it's just a bit about us. Uh, we're international digital marketing expert, uh, experts. We provide 50% digital marketing management and then the other half is training uh, clients in how to run their own social media and digital marketing uh, work. So we sort of work on a 50-50 basis. There's just a few of our clients down the bottom uh, and we've worked with these both on a national and international scale across a wide, wide range of uh, industries. So why social media? This is pretty basic stuff. I'm sure most of you know this in the room, but it's still very much a global phenomenon. These stats speak for themselves, uh, but there's a very clear reason as to why we are present on social media still, even Facebook after that whole calamity. Um, so hands up, who uses social media personally? Okay, that's a good start. Um, who uses, or who came here tonight, sorry, to be sold to? Didn't think so. So exactly, social media is the same kind of thing. No one wants to be sold to directly on social media. They do it very nice and subconsciously, um, but it's it's making sure that if you if you go with into social with a sales messaging, you're likely not going to get any return from it. You need to inspire people. You need to make people feel part of a community. If they're going to buy, they need to feel inspired to actually go out and buy. So before we get into some methods of how to do that. Uh, we as businesses and marketeers need to reflect on our own objectives when it comes to uh, social. So again, pretty basic. I'm sure most of you guys have got this um, in the bag already, but put simply, what do we actually want to achieve with our social media activity or our clients' social media activity? What do they want to achieve? What do we want to achieve for them? So anyone can post on social media. It's not a tricky task, but few actually understand how to use social media to drive new leads, new sales into your business. It's surprisingly tricky to look at business, uh, your business and strategically outline a marketing funnel to bring you more engagement, more traffic and more customers. If you are using social, however, or if you're employing someone or employing an agency, you must expect some results. And by results, I mean an increase in conversions that you can directly correlate to your social media activity. So this is a common theme uh, when Social B starts out with a client social media strategy. When we work uh, with clients, there's much more to a social objective than get more sales, get more revenue, get more contact forms. We need to ensure that the answer to all of these questions basically feed back into that overall objective to get a clear strategy of how we use social media going forward. So identifying your audience. Again, this is all stuff that we sort of think about when we're creating a strategy for clients or ourselves. It's all very quite basic stuff, but it's just stuff that we always need to be constantly thinking about. So if we're not creating the right content or being in the right place for them, then it will be infinitely harder to actually convert them. 
So Nike is a good example of this, a uh, brand that's clearly drawing on the latest research to boost their own conversions. A recent study from Kissmetrics found that, I think it was uh, four out of 10 of their Instagram audience were Nike buying millennials, pretty much who they wanna be going after. So those findings prompted Nike to start Instagram shopping. Uh, and this is a fairly new thing. Instagram only released this in the sort of last month or so. Um, and we'll look at it a little bit more in depth uh, in just a little bit. But they knew that they had to increase their Instagram output. It wasn't enough for them to just be posting now. They needed to add that little extra incentive for people to very easily buy from Instagram. So if we do want to get people to buy our products, how do we go about that? First up, your website needs to be right. There is absolutely no point in sending people through from social media to your website if your website is bad, doesn't do what it says on the tin, you're sending them to the wrong landing pages. That's the worst thing you can do. Give them a reason to click. So this white and case example here, you can see that they've started with a really strong statistic uh, to spark intrigue, to get them to click through for their study. Uh, and I started with this example as, like I said at the start, it doesn't need to all be about retail. It doesn't need to all be about that revenue drivers. So you can use this for B2B to get your expertise over, to get contact forms, to get clients through. When I talk about expertise, your website and your social media need to reflect each other. You can't have one showing loads of expertise and then the other one just being sloppy. So for the retail example, we're gonna go in with a bit of a giant that is Waitrose. And I really like this example. It uses two different links, uh, catering to two very different types of users that are scrolling at the time. So we start with a very engaging video straight off the bat. Um, and this is just one of those uh, bird's eye view pictures of people making uh, a recipe, which we all like to watch. Um, so then without even clicking through to the recipe, you've got the recipe link up there. And that directs people to the full recipe that you can see, the sweet potato date and aubergine tagine up there. Um, and that appeals really, you've got the video appealing to the people who like to watch something and learn. So you're already appealing to the visual learners. If someone wants to look at more detailed recipe, they wanna see written instructions, you're sending them straight there. The third example is sending them to the shop, but they do that at the very end. So they don't lead in with the, find all the ingredients you need to shop for here. They give you the information first, they give you the expertise in many different ways before finally, I mean, they don't even go straight to the ingredients pages, they still go to a recipe within the shop. So it's a very clever way that they've sort of identified that their audience don't like being directly targeted uh, in that way, but the more information they can give them, the better their chances of conversion. So it's really a good idea to utilize the tools that social media gives you. So call to action buttons. How many of you are using this? Oh, there's only like a few of you, that makes me sad. Um, but you can see <laughs> your call to actions basically should offer clarity. So this is most prominent on Facebook, but it also uh, is now going more across to Instagram where you have the Instagram business pages. You can get a call email uh, and a map button for directions. Uh, it's a bit more subtle than Facebook, but the point here is that these social call to actions uh, that we've got down here are all about clarity. They're easy to spot, they're easy to understand. It tells you what to do. Go shop at Dogfish. I'm not endorsing any of these brands, by the way, but <laughs> uh, Nourish Arts Center, call them, find out what they're doing. Sign up to Pure Gym, donate to Mind. Um, it's almost like the try me button on a toy. 
if you ever go into Toys R Us, rest in peace. Um, but <laughs> uh, those are great examples of buttons with clarity. You want to push that button. You shouldn't have to make your users work for them to uh, find you. And the Facebook shop pages. How many of you guys have used Facebook shop pages? Ah, this is a really cool tool. Um, we use this for one of our uh, department store clients. Um, and basically, it just gives you the chance to build a collection from your website. It doesn't have to completely reflect the categories on your website. You can bespoke them. Uh, Huff here have got a holiday 17 from when they ran this for Christmas, full of their sort of Christmas uh, gift range, I guess. Um, it's a unique dashboard, really. Like I said, it's a brand. Uh, you can upload your collections of your products, pull directly from the website, and you can t change the product description up here, the product details. Again, it doesn't have to be what it says on the website. You can create this to suit your audience more. If you know your audience uh, is a bit cooler on Facebook, you can write in more cooler language. Or, you know, Huffer are a very cool brand. I'm not that cool. Uh, but similar to the Waitrose and Whitecase examples, just make sure that you've got a good landing page. Huff have their uh, landing page ready to go. You can buy straight away. Gymshark, you click on the buy now takes you to sold out. So make sure your products are actually on sale, guys. That'd be a really great start. <laughs> and then as we come on to Instagram shopping. So like Facebook, Instagram are making it easier for consumers uh, and businesses to actually go and sell their wear and for consumers to go and buy. So directly linking to each product on the photo. So you can see you've got the M&S cocktail shakers. It looks like a party over there. Um, Links through straight to the, if you hit the sommelier champagne sources, it then gives you a more bespoke. And again, this is all bespoke to uh, the app. You can rewrite this, doesn't have to pull from the website. And then it takes you to the MLS site where you can go and purchase. And this is without even leaving the Instagram app. So it does it all inside, um, which is a really great feature for impulse buyers. Pretty dangerous feature for impulse buyers too, I think. Uh, so another hands up, who's ever complained on social media to a brand. Good stuff, guys. Who got something for free out of it? Nice, what did you get? We need to talk to you guys, clearly. <laughs> Come on, up your game. I got a hot dog, it was great. Um, <laughs> so, customer service, another reason. This isn't gonna directly influence your conversions, but it is so much to do with your brand reputation. If you're sitting there ignoring all of this stuff, or if you're not even on social media, that's not gonna stop people from talking about you. Um, I had a chat with a guy in here who I can't locate at the moment, um, but we had a quick chat about how uh, one of his B2B clients was saying that um, he didn't need to be on social media because his clients weren't there. Well, actually, they are there, and they could be talking about you. How are you gonna know if you're not there? Um, but we all know you, we should be providing the same level of customer service that we would in person, via email, via phone. 78% uh, of people who complain to a brand via Twitter, and this is just Twitter, expect a response within the hour. So as we know, customers are turning to social media more than ever now to complain uh, and just question the brands. You need to treat it as an extra customer service channel as well uh, to build your rep as a business. And you also need to do it twice as fast, which is great. So other reasons to use uh, social media, apart from just getting conversions through, this is a quick example of us. Um, that's Teddy up there. That's Oscar's dog. <laughs> Good old Teddy nights. Um, we use our social media not to sell, 
We don't use it to sell, but we use it for our expertise and also as a potential recruitment tool. If we've got people who are looking at us to see if this is a good place to work, hopefully we put the image across that we've got dogs in the office. That's a great thing. <laughs> um, we want to portray the environment um, and our work as somewhere exciting and busy. So always keep that in the back of your mind as well. So the bit, the meaty bit that we all want to look at, how do we actually measure all of this stuff and how do we make sure that we are bringing the right return on investment and bringing it to our directors, ourselves, our clients uh, in the most easily digestible way possible. So Campaign URL Builder, how many of you guys have used Campaign URL Builder? Okay, quite a few hands, that's good, good. So hopefully all your best friends are, uh, your best friend is Google Analytics. This should be your other best friend. Um, if you haven't used it already. So Google Campaign URL Builder, using this tool, you can pretty much create custom uh, campaign URLs to ensure each post on social media is trackable. So it's all well and good seeing traffic in Google Analytics uh, from Facebook, but how do you know what post actually led to that traffic or led to a conversion, more important still? If you spent 10 hours, for example, creating let's say the Waitrose video where you're making the recipe, you spent 10 hours doing it, editing it, and then you got it up there. You'd hope it would pay off in some sort of conversion. That time you spent, that time you spent creating or scheduling all your week's worth of content, is it doing anything? How do you know? If you use this, then you'll know exactly what is happening. So hopefully you guys can all see this. Under campaign, this basically tells us what campaign we ran. Under source, medium, uh, that's the channels. Um, and then your typical, this is all Google Analytics, by the way. So this is where URL Builder really proves its worth. Yeah, it does add a bit of extra time to your posting, your scheduling feed, uh, but it gives you greater insight into what type of posts work in terms of getting conversions, sure, but also how long they spend there, what the bounce rate is, are they leaving as soon as they get to the website? If so, why? So this is an example of one of our uh, retail department store clients. Uh, this is data from last year across Facebook and Twitter. Um, and this pretty much quickly tells me what needs to be done. So the Facebook <coughs> shop now button, the second one there, we can see that that had 62 sessions, one transaction. What's going on there? Why did it have so many people click through and only one person out of all of those people converted with a 60 pound sale as well? It's not a massive amount. So after seeing this, I sort of thought, okay, maybe there's something with that shop now button. Maybe the banner's not promoting it quick enough. Maybe it's blending in too much to the banner photo. So we created a little banner photo, made that button more prominent. We're still in the testing phase, but we're already seeing an increased traffic rate and an increased conversion rate as well. So more people are buying through. And again, this is a uh, view in conversions in Google Analytics uh, under top assisted conversion paths. So it's also a really great idea to have a look at this stuff um, in analytics. Look at the different paths to conversion from this screenshot here. The shortest conversion path right down at the bottom is four and the longest is 28. So this cross section here basically tells us that um, social networks were included in every single stage of this buying process. Yet they might not have actually led to that last click where someone came through on paid or direct um, or email, but they played a part. It's a consideration point um, and it's almost just almost as, as important as the conversion process itself. So we really need to be looking at that consideration process uh, in the buying journey. So 
I've added in the verses as if they're kind of pitted against each other, but you know, there are some really important vanity metrics. Vanity metrics get a bit of a bad rep. They're still worth reporting on, but as long as you know how it leads back into the real chunky solid stuff that we can measure on. So if you're running a brand awareness campaign, again, these vanity metrics on the side here, they're fantastic. They'll be what you want to know. <coughs> but you should be directly reporting on the figures that give you the best performance when it comes to your objective. And if that objective is revenue or leads, uh, then you need to be focused on those solid metrics, like I said, uh, that social provides to your website in terms of conversions and performance. If you have these, then you can see how uh, your website and social channels match up in terms of the brand experience that people are getting. Uh, if you know that your engagement is fantastic, you're getting the best engagement on Twitter, getting loads of retweets, loads of uh, comments responding to you, but your bounce rate and your conversion rate is super low on your website, what needs to change? Really go through it, analyze, review, and make changes. Uh, how can you have great engagement and a great website experience sort of working simultaneously together? So for each campaign, there needs to be a detailed analytical report with key learnings that can be applied to future campaigns. So time is money and the time spent uh, on social media can be expensive. It can rack up very quickly. So use the data you get out of Google Analytics and your social media insights. Use it wisely. Create these reports to help you visualize that increase or decrease month on month, year on year, if you've got the data going back there. At the end of the day, it does come down to what you your director, your client, whoever you're reporting to does want to see. If they do want to see engagement metrics and brand awareness, like I said, show them it. But keep the real metrics in mind at all time. So again, just running back to that point of time is money. 35% stated that they were spending about one to five hours a week on social media marketing per week. That's quite low. 6%, if you think about 6% as a figure of a lot of people, that's actually quite large. And they're spending 40 hours, more than 40 hours a week um, on social, mental, uh, social media, which is mental. Um, and as we mentioned before, yeah, it's just worth taking all of this stuff into account when you're actually working out your ROI. Look at how much time you're actually spending. If it is taking you more than 40 hours, you're potentially working yourself at 20p an hour or 5p an hour for that time spent in that. It might be a bit of an eye opener. <laughs> so just a few top tips to help you convert uh, off the back of this, and I hope this kind of feeds nicely into Chris's presentation, potentially. You're, very, you're a man of mystery, I don't yeah. know what you're doing. <laughs> um, so images receive 18% more clicks than those without <coughs> images. Customer service interactions have risen by 250%, and 76% say well-designed, punchy video imagery helped them increase their sales. So definitely stuff to keep in mind. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I think if you have any questions, then do come find me at the end. Um, but for now, I think we'll introduce Chris. Thank you. I'll just introduce you